ABC Radio Australia. think that while pageants are one platform that highlights the attributes, the accomplishments and the achievements of women, I think it can be dangerous to fall into this sense of comfort that they present progress. Some of these women have done fantastic in advocating for cultural issues, but also looking at environmental and, and the climate change space. That dance is still being formed today. What's that, 20-something years later? I've passed it on to my kids. I've passed it on to other people's kids in the hope that not only will they be more aware of the wildlife, the environment, they'll be aware of the struggles, climate change. For the last couple of decades, pageants have been a big deal in the Pacific. Thousands of people tune in to watch them on TV and hundreds pack into Venice to watch who gets crowned. It's super competitive between the nations. Everyone wants their country to win. And the women who take the crown become household names. But have Pacific beauty pageants had their day? I can hear you gasp. But some argue they are outdated and sexist. Those in support say they allow us to celebrate our cultures and elevate women's position in society. So sisters, let's talk about beauty pageants. In the Pacific, we have great pride in our beauty pageants because we see them as being very different to Western style pageants. Sure, like Western ones, modern Pacific pageants do celebrate beauty. But that's where we say the similarity ends. Our pageants include categories, values and standards that are exclusive to each Pacific nation. So they end up being a celebration of our culture. Recently, though, events have been marred. Lucy Mino lost her crown this year over TikTok, and there have been legal battles over competition rules being breached. And let's debate that colorism is an issue. In the 34 years of Miss South Pacific, which is now called Miss Pacific Islands, only five Melanesian contestants have won the crown. In fact, the local pageant in Tonga made international headlines in 2019. Outgoing Miss Pacific Islands, Leoshina Kariha from Papua New Guinea, was subject to a racist slur from the audience when she was in Nuku Alofa. So our pageants are not without controversy. Dr. Mema Motusanga is a gender specialist and human rights activist who also has a unique insight into the world of pageants. She has been part of an entourage for a Miss Samoa contestant. Dr. Motusanga says sexism is certainly an issue and it's one that needs to be overcome. But as for our pageants being outdated, she disagrees and says they celebrate a beauty that is uniquely Pacific. In most of the Pacific Island cultures, uh, do not only refer to the physical appearance of a woman, but looks deeper and, and beyond the physical looks where we look at our intelligence, the practical skills, the mental skills, 
artistical skills, whether it be in the form of storytelling, but also in the form of weaving, you know, things like our baskets that tells a story about who we are as women, our relationship with our environment, our relationship with our families, our communities. How effective do you think this platform elevates women's voices in the Pacific? I think it's, it's very effective. Some of these women have done fantastic in advocating for cultural issues, but also looking at environmental and, and the climate change space. Yes. And I think a lot of our young women who have become Miss Pacific Islands have done a lot of work, not just in their national countries, but also across the, the region. Miss South Pacific has now changed to Miss Pacific. And over the past two decades, we've seen uh, Australian and New Zealand diaspora increasingly becoming involved. How important has this been for Pacific Islands women born in these countries to connect back with their culture through this pageant? Oh, I think it's, it's very, very important. One of the things, and I think this is an objective for what needs to be done, and I think this is a shared vision for all our Pacific Island countries, uh, is our the ability of our younger generation to be able to not only sustain our culture, but also, you know, the ability to be able to transmit our cultural heritage, our stories and our, and our myths and legends. The Pacific pageant is a unique opportunity for these young women to tell the world that despite them living in uh, Australia or New Zealand or wherever in the world, that they are they're being true to their identity. And I think you and I are both aware of the stigma around this, like for example, being a Papua New Guinean or being a Pacific Islander. And there's a lot of discrimination around our, oh, you know, they're Samoan, but not born in Samoa. But this is a great uh, platform where they can come and not only showcase, but also that, that motivation for them to try and be better at, you know, things like speaking our language and learning about who they are as Pacific Islanders. Absolutely. This pageant started out as a Polynesian thing. Uh, uh, and most of the winners of the Miss Pacific have been Polynesian. Uh, um, and there are criticism also with colorist, especially against Melanesian contestants. What have you observed or seen in these pageants? As Pacific Islanders, we need to stand together and educate our region that the pageant is not just for a particular sub-region. This is a platform for all women, and we are entitled being Polynesian or a, a Micronesian or one of my Melanesian sisters. This is a forum where we, we both share this platform, mm. and we are entitled to it equally, despite our colors, despite, you know, where we come from. That's gender specialist, Dr. Mema Motusanga, making some really interesting points about pageants in the Pacific. So let's unpack some of the points she raised with women who know pageants best, the entrance. You may know the name Mary Nalatikau. 
She was the first Melanesian woman to be crowned Miss South Pacific in 2009. I got to tell you, being a Melanesian woman, we celebrated a win. And as you heard earlier, we've only had that celebration five times. I had to ask Mary our colorism factors into the Miss South Pacific pageant. It's an issue in our everyday lives, you know, and in the media that we're exposed to, and certainly in, in pageants where just at the outset there is this predetermined and very narrow view of what beauty is and, and what it involves. And that's certainly something that I was aware of going into the pageant process, you know, along the way. I was very, very fortunate to have the kind of support and background and upbringing that, uh, that I had to, um, to at least be aware of it and to be aware of, you know, some of the microaggressions that can happen. And there are definitely preferences about your appearance, things like hair texture, different aspects of how, uh, of how cultural performances are prioritised. And so, you know, that was definitely something that I saw manifested. And I think my overall approach was that this was an experience that I had to endure, that I certainly wanted to do my best in, but also that I really just wanted to be myself as much as possible. And so um, I think the way that, that I survived it or that I coped with it at the time was that I very quickly realized that there is a very preconceived notion about what Pacific culture entails. And for me, it, would, it wouldn't have served me to try and out Polynesia the Polynesians or, you know, out, outdo aspects of their culture that are very much theirs and unique to them. But I just had to be genuine about what aspects of, of Fijian culture that I related to personally and that I could then participate in and, and enjoy rather than trying to fit myself into a box that I wasn't comfortable with. You, you were just yourself, and that was the beauty of it, just being yourself instead of trying to pretend to be somebody or not. So good on you. Um, you. From a young girl coming from rural Fiji and then mm. going out into the world stage representing your country and also the region, what are some of your highlights? Oh, you know, I have to say definitely the highlights were the relationships formed along the way for better or ill and uh, for all the, you know, the ups and downs that pageant experiences entail. I think it gave me such a great uh, window into how different our region is. We're referred to often as one Pacific and, you know, we certainly are, mm. but our ways of life, our cultures are so unique in their own way. And, you know, the different people that I met, whether it was people who were, who participated in the pageant organizing, um, you know, people who, you know, had, um, you know, decision-making roles within pageants, but also the contestants themselves coming with different, you know, career experiences, education experiences, but also coming from very different country contexts and you're getting to have these wonderful conversations with them about what the challenges were for them, uh, what pressures they faced at home, not just relating to the pageant, but relating to the careers that they wanted, um, you know, the dreams that they had, and just to watch them all flourishing now in their different careers, you know, from, you know, biomedical engineering to law to, you know, so many aspects of life. I really think that was, you know, one of the most valuable things that I took away from the whole experience. I wouldn't have gotten to understand the region uh, in such a unique way if it hadn't been for that. Mm. And how important do you think pageants are as a platform to celebrate women's achievements? 
you know, I think if I can reflect on Fiji, you know, I can only speak on, on what I can understand of pageant history in Fiji is that they stem from colonial times. They began with the foundation of community service, you know, raising funds for different aspects of community building. And so charity fundraising uh, has always been a big backbone of pageants. And something that I have noticed throughout the years, and, you know, it was certainly my experience when I participated was, you know, the increasing commercialization of, of pageants. You know, you have corporate sponsorship in Involved. You have different government ministries or departments involved and, you know, people really see it as, as a vehicle to progress, you know, whether they're cultural or commercial priorities. And um, I think that while pageants are one platform that highlights the attributes, the accomplishments and the achievements of women, I think it can be dangerous to fall into this sense of comfort that they present progress. They are one platform, but would we need pageants in a perfect world to highlight or elevate the achievements and capabilities of women? I would say no. I would say there are many other ways that we can and should do that. Pageants can give us a false sense of comfort in the sense, you know, that they can make us think that the progress is being made. And yes, it is. But also if you look at the visibility of women in pageants, the use of the imagery of women in um, tourism, promotional materials, you know, as, as have been used for decades, that has commercial value and commercial weight, you know, it has uh, cultural and social currency. But, you know, that stands in stark contrast, Hilda, with the way that women experience violence and the prevalence of violence against women in the region. Contrast a lineup of pageant contestants with the lineup of Pacific leaders, you know, and women will be nearly invisible. Um, while we've made much progress. So I think that pageants can be a platform, yes. Are they the platform? I'd say no, but I'd also always exercise caution when, when looking at them as, um, as an indicator of progress because um, they can lull us into a false sense of comfort. Mary Naila Tikau, the first Melanesian to win Miss South Pacific in 2009. I'm feeling a little more awful knowing that since then, four Melanesian women have won the crown. So maybe this is changing. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. Earlier in the show, Dr. Motosanga said one of the positive things about Pacific pageants is that it gives winners a voice in societies where it can be hard for women to be heard. Winners use the competition as a platform to fight for all sorts of causes, such as environmental issues. This is exactly what Mary Jane Swenke did when she was crowned Miss South Pacific in 1997. And she did it through a dance that blew everyone away. I'm not too sure if there's been too many political stances in the pageant before that time. Whereas, you know, the Manumed dance was about saving our national bird. It's a very stern message portrayed through the modern type of Samoan Siva. I don't think it was seen before because people were quite surprised at the movement because it wasn't traditional. But I think they were intrigued because of the message of it being about the bird that they all knew. They all saw the Manumea on billboards as they drove their cars because we, you know, the message was save the Manumea. And I then danced the Manumea. Mary Jane continues a social activism through dance, and she's the director of Matavai Pacific Cultural Arts in Sydney. That dance is still being performed today. What's that, 20-something years later? I've passed it on to my kids. I've passed it on to other people's kids in the hope that 
not only will they be more aware of the wildlife, the environment, they'll be aware of the struggles, climate change, and how important that it is for us to all be educated on it. How do you think being Miss South Pacific influenced your career, both acting and dancing? Well, the acting was uh, something I stumbled on. It wasn't something I was looking for. So Miss South Pacific impacted me because I was able to see other islands. At that point in my life, I only knew Samoa and you know my experience in New Zealand for a little time and Australia. And then becoming Miss South Pacific and having to really widen my perspective and visiting those islands, starting with Tonga. We went to Papua New Guinea, where I, I was a guest for the Miss Papua New Guinea pageant. Then from there, I traveled to the Solomon Islands, where my cultural liaison uh, manager for Samoa Visitors Bureau helped in planning the very first Miss Solomon Islands. Mm. So I was there for that. And you would know at a pageant is when we, you know, that is when our culture is on the stage. We yes. see it through the lens of young women. And that was my experience. And that's when I knew that I am so blessed to be from this part of the world, not just to be a someone, which I'm considerably grateful for, but that my Samoa lies in the biggest ocean continent in the world amongst some of the most richest and nicest people you could ever meet with cultures so deep and vast that just the mere thought brings great emotion out of me. And that's what the Miss South Pacific did to me. That's wonderful to hear. And what a great experience you are sharing here. And uh, I guess you, your influence continues. You now run Matavai Pacific Cultural Arts in Sydney, teaching dance to the Pacific diaspora. How much of an influence did being part of Miss Samoa and Miss South Pacific pageants play in this? So when I arrived in Australia, I was a little bit shy of what I was trying to have a bit of reprieve, but it was during this four-year process that I became aware of issues surrounding Pacifica diaspora, in particular youth. My heart sank, you know, because I have children, I have young girls, and I wanted to help. I felt, again, that need to be responsible. I, I can't just sit with everything that I know. I don't have much else to give, but what I can give is my experience and the truth that I think is the truth of the Pacific, not what we see in media about ourselves, not what we read in reports about ourselves. So that's what I did. We started dancing. That's beautiful. Well done. There have been criticisms leveled at these pageants. There's another uh, negative about the pageant. And one of them is that they have been prejudiced against Melanesian contestants. What has been your experience? Not every island has a beauty pageant in order for them to bring a girl. But I also think the last few years there's been this, uh, you know, Miss Papua has won. The girls, people have really warmed to the fact that, oh, there's another girl entering. It's not just the same islands every year, if you know what I mean. So that mm. brings excitement. Yes, yes. But um, as for the prejudice, I hope not. But for me, I, I, I do think it could be something to do with the maybe better planning or organization whereby everyone is included and, you know, encouraged to participate. 
Absolutely. Inclusivity. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Mary Jane Schwenke, Miss South Pacific 1997 and Director of Matavai Pacific Cultural Arts in Sydney. The first woman to hold four Pacific regional pageant titles is Latafale Auva'a. She's a lawyer from New Zealand and among the trophies in a trophy cabinet is Miss Pacific Islands 2014 and Miss World Samoa. Like Mary Naila Tikau, Latafale says there's negatives about the pageants. But she makes the case that there's more to them than just looking attractive. Miss World has an element of beauty with a purpose. That's actually one of their categories that they require each girl to present a topic. So every contestant has to have an issue or a purpose. The women in their different regions and countries will bring awareness to a particular issue. Like you said, for example, climate change, domestic violence, family violence, you know, food shortages, war-torn regions. Um, and so they, there are opportunities for the woman to showcase key issues that are dear to their heart. And I was blessed to have been part of the top 10 with the Beauty with the Purpose project that I did within the Pacific region and Samoa, which was uh, on education, which was quite a fun activity. But that's just a small segment of, of the pageant. But you have to remember that when you're competing at Miss World, you have one month where you're you know, in the region and you're quite isolated um, and it's its own bubble, really. It's a really unique experience contrasted with Pacific pageants where you know, you're in the region and you're actively involved in the communities and you get to do a lot more a lot more projects there to the community in the heart of the Pacific. So Yes. And how did you think the world is changing in the way that we define or elevate beauty in our woman? Oh, it's actually it scares me a little bit. You know, everything now is on social media, everything that can be filmed and anything and everything that can be photographed is being photographed. And then you have these um, perceptions of beauty that are, um, I guess, perpetuated, you know, online and, and through social media. I started my journey in 2014 and I didn't even have an Instagram account um, then. I think I started an Instagram account while I was um, living in Samoa. And it's crazy to see where the technology has advanced mm. and also to just to see how certain images of beauty are really perpetuated that I, I think are a challenge for any young woman who doesn't want to have self-esteem issues or want to try and measure up to these, um, I guess, in almost sense, fake perceptions of beauty. Um, one of the reasons the Pacific pageants, again, I say are so awesome is because whilst we do focus as well on the outward appearance, it also, it's, it's, they're all encompassing. So you don't just get to see the beauty of the Pacific um, in our features and the way that we look but you get to see the value systems coming out and you get to hear a lot from the woman. Um, so I think that it's a big challenge today for young women in particular not to look at stereotypes that are being perpetuated online. And with the mainstream beauty pageants, that's what you get coming through is a lot of women, unfortunately, I feel like, are not able to show their true self because of those really hard, beauty stereotypes. So how did your experience as a pageant contestant and winner yes. mold you personally and in your professional life? I think personally um, it really expanded my vision on what platforms and media can do. 
and how many people it can reach. You know, my pageant journey took over three, four years from when I started my first pageant in the Samoa New Zealand. And I started really naive. I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea that these would be huge doors that would be opening for me. And so throughout my journey, I I grew in confidence. I learned about my culture. I developed my passion for speaking. Uh, I developed passion for the communities and the areas of communities that I'd never have ever would have experienced before had I just continued with my normal um, study routine in life. Isn't it great to hear from Latefale Auva'a just how involved Miss Pacific Islands are in community projects during the rain? Now you'd think if anyone was going to be highly critical of Pacific pageants, it would be Leoshina Kariha from Papua New Guinea. She's the pageant winner we were talking about earlier who had the racist slur thrown at her in Tonga. She sent in a voice memo to Sisters Let's Talk to tell you the best part of being Miss Papua New Guinea and Miss Pacific Islands in 2018. The best part of the Miss Pacific Islands pageant for me was being able to travel to the different islands that make up our region. There were 12 queens that vied for the crown in Port Moresby. So after the whole tour um, of those islands, 12 queens returned to Port Moresby and Miss Samoa ended up winning the crown. I'm really proud of all these women who step on board because it's not easy to put your hand up to represent your island nation. These women are very courageous and and confident. Being part of the pageants um, really changed my stereotype because before I thought all oh, pageants are all about beauty and glamour. And there's actually more to a pageant than that. A good example would be Gladys Habu from Solomon Islands, who is a climate activist. For the Miss Papua New Guinea pageant, all funds raised go towards scholarships for women in health, agriculture and education. These pageants can be very empowering for women in our region. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. I want to let you in on something. I too have been involved in a pageant and <laughs> no, not as a contestant. I was very much behind the scenes. In 2005, I was part of the team that helped put together the Miss PNG Red Cross. And it was a great experience for me and throughout the pageant, the contestants too. My fascination for the Miss PNG Red Cross Quest started very early throughout my primary school years into high school. And to me, PNG beauties had a fairer skin and complexion. We're mixed race all from the coastal regions. But a lot has changed. What I found out working for the Red Cross and helping with the 2005 Quest, girls from all over PNG came together to compete for the crown. The Quest changed the young woman from being shy and reserved to confident. My favorite then was a primary school teacher, Michelle Pala, whose mom was from Bougainville and her dad was from Central. She went on to win the title. There was a big difference from what I saw growing up to when I got involved in the quest. It didn't matter where the girls came from. They were very much involved with the Red Cross's different humanitarian programs and they felt they could contribute more to the communities through Red Cross. 
Like many issues, it's never black and white. There are negative things about Pacific beauty pageants. Sexism, colorism, and sometimes a focus on looks rather than brains. But it's clear from talking to women who've competed in them that positive things do come from pageants. Celebrating culture, highlighting contestants' achievements, and giving women a platform. Thank you so much for joining me, Hilda Wayne, for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia, a weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women, where we get together to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of the show, we're also a podcast. In the Pacific, just search for Sisters Let's Talk wherever you get your podcasts. If you're in Australia, you can listen to Sisters Let's Talk on the ABC Listen app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Radio Australia Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, Pacific Women and the COVID-19 vaccination. I heard some, a couple of mothers who live right at the back of the clinic. They were here that morning and they told me to shut the gate. So I ran, I rushed to the gate to shut the gate. They walked over to me and they told me. One was heavily pregnant. She stood, uh, came to the gate, stood in front of me and she told me, Rosemary, we are here. We're just standing here watching. So if anyone comes here, we'll be here to chase them away. So they, they stood with us outside the gate watching if anyone was going to come attack us. That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is presented by me, Hilda Wayne. It's produced by Amanda Donicky. Our supervising producer is Inga Stunzner. Executive producer is Justin Kelly. And our commissioning editor is Ilaria Walker. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. I'm Tasol Nabungimu next time.